another episode of the positional breakdown. Today we are talking interior defensive linemen or defensive tackles. We're going to talk about where they fit in the conference. And then finally we're going to wrap up yesterday's practice. A couple summaries, a couple things we noticed. And let's dive in on today's episode of Locked On Golden Gophers. You are Locked On Golden Gophers. No matter what we're going to do here. We're just going to keep rowing. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota uh, Golden turns out, Gophers. It turns out, we're just going to keep rowing. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We're just going to keep rowing, keep rowing, and keep rowing. Hey, 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 you're listening to Locked On Golden Gophers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network your team every day. My name is Kane Robb, host of the podcast, former collegiate football video coordinator and recruiting assistant here to talk Golden Gophers with you each and every day of the week. That's right, Monday through Friday. And be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it. Find us at Lockdown Golden Gophers. And then be sure, be sure to head on over to the YouTube channel and hit subscribe. And today, I'm looking for who your favorite Golden Gopher football player has been throughout your life. Whoever your favorite Golden Gopher football player of all time is, drop it in the comments below on YouTube. Now, we're going to jump right in. We're going to talk about another positional group in today's positional group of choice. The topic, the main feature is the defensive tackle or the interior defensive line. And as always, we're going to talk about departures. So the first departure that we have to talk about is Micah Du Treadway. He transferred from Notre Dame in two, after the 2018 season. He started in 13 games right away in 2019. Last year, though, he started in three games and played in nine games total, putting up 16 tackles for two tackles for loss and a half a sack in one pass breakup. He's currently on the Chicago Bears roster in camp with them, hoping to make a official roster spot for the Bears, and we're, our, our thoughts are with him. We hope that he pulls that off so we have another gopher in the league. Now, the next defensive tackle that was a big departure for us was Niles Pinckney. Uh, five years at Clemson. In those five years, he had 98 tackles, 13 and a half tackles for loss, three sacks, one forced fumble, and three fumble recoveries. But after those five years at Clemson, he transferred to the Minnesota Golden Gophers for his final year of eligibility, where he became a captain for the Gophers, started in 12 of 13 games, 29 total tackles in that season, three and a half tackles for loss, two and a half sacks, and one forced fumble. He had a minicamp invite with, or a minicamp tryout with the Saints. Haven't seen too much from that since, and we're hoping that he can find his way to a professional football opportunity and thrive and help his family as well. So best wishes to Niles Pinckney. And then another departure was Val Martin. Enough said on him. We've already talked enough about him. If you want to check that out, it's on a past podcast where we talked about the whole situation. But he's gotten enough airtime from me. So we're moving on and we're jumping into who the projected depth chart order is. Now, kicking it off right away, we've got Trill Carter, 
obviously this is the first person that you think of when you're thinking of interior defensive line for the Golden Gophers. Uh, he's able to play both the one tech and the three tech pretty fluidly, but he's been mainly playing the three tech at that interior defensive line. It's He's definitely in there uh, with the ones at all times. He's a leader on this defense. Now, one of only two full-time starters across the entire front seven from last year that is returning. And again, that's full-time starters. So guys who started basically every game. He started 11 of 12 games last season with 21 tackles, five tackles for loss, one sack, two pass breakups. He's a monster in the run game. He is great at blowing up the offensive line and not leaving any clear running lanes and really causing destruction and mayhem in in that pocket in the backfield and so it's great he's a great player to have and it looks like things are just clicking more and more for him in these practices uh he looks like he's playing angry he looks like he's got a chip on his shoulder and you absolutely love to see it now he also saw production as a freshman in 2020 he will lead the charge on the defense not slowing down from last year to this year he will be a very big piece on providing that leadership providing consistency which has been great with trill and he still has three years of eligibility left so trill is definitely something that is going to be kind of the heart and soul of that defensive line Move on to the next guy who's been running with the ones, and that is Kyler Ba. He is a one tech, meaning he lines up across the gap between the center and the guard. That is what one tech is basically telling you is where he starts positionally on the field. Now, he is a transfer from Houston Baptist. He's been getting a lot of good looks with the ones, a lot of reps with the ones, and in three practices I've seen so far, he is definitely someone you need to know about because he's going to get a lot of reps with the Gophers. He's going to get a lot of time. Coach Fleck even brought him up in the press conference today and said there was one play on his tape in which he saw where he basically ran down a, a running back that broke out into the open field. He ran him down and tackled him down at the four-yard li line as a defensive tackle. And he said he saw that play and he saw enough. He knew that they had to offer him. But let's talk about that production that Kyler Baugh had at Houston Baptist. He played three years there in 26 games and started 18 of those 26 games. 104 tackles. Yeah, that's right. Over 100 tackles in those three years. 11 tackles for loss and 5 sacks. Now that's great production, especially coming from the interior defensive line. That's like on pace for... 30-plus tackles a season as an interior defensive line. That's great. You love to see something like that. And that's one heck of a resume, and clearly it hasn't been slowing down making the shift to a Power 5 school. He's been looking great in practice, and he still has two years of eligibility left. So I expect him to have an impact in those two years, especially as he's already running with the ones in this fall camp. Now, players that are running mainly with the twos, but seeing some rotation in with the ones and probably likely to at least see some spot, not starts, but some spot snaps getting production in the defensive line are these following four guys. You've got Gage Keys, who I probably should have mentioned yesterday as well, because 
He's very versatile, and he seems to be getting some looks every once in a while with the defensive end or the edge rushers as well. Only player that I've really known that has been kind of in both of those slots, but when it comes to the interior, he's a three-tech, meaning he mainly lines up between the gap of the guard and the tackle. Now, he rotates in with the ones occasionally, like I said, but often he's with the twos, seems to be pretty versatile, and... He, uh, it's nice seeing him being worked into reps with the ones, with a lot of the twos, but he's just a nice athlete, and he works hard, and it seems like he could be a good contributor for the Gophers if he continues to kind of put things together and let it click. And how you can get things together more and let it click is getting some game action, learning from the reps you do and putting it on tape and being able to go and kind of review, reflect, and learn. So it's good to see him getting those reps. And uh, he's someone I'll probably try to pay a little bit more attention to moving forward. The next guy to talk about is Devin Eastern. He's a three-tech, mainly in solely with the twos, sometimes with the threes. He's a mainstay with the twos, though, so getting a lot of reps with the twos there. Honestly, this dude has all the talent, folks. Devin Eastern is a very talented player. He's a very mammoth, large-sized human being that can bully. And, you know, he definitely has the size. And I expect him to get his feet wet this year in his redshirt freshman year. He didn't get any time last year as his true freshman, so it was a redshirt year for him. You're likely going to see him on the field in some start, Not in some starts, but in some moments because he's going to get opportunity to get in there on the field and make a play and honestly there will probably be moments where he flashes and you watch him and you're like how is this guy not playing all the time how is he not on the field all the time and it's just it's just again getting those reps putting it on the film and learning he has all the talent in the world and I do believe he is going to be a monster for this team in the years to come. Maybe this year it's just some spot work, it's some uh, rotational minutes, but by next year or at least by 2024, he is going to be a mainstay. I have no doubt about that. Again, might be the most talented player that we have on the whole defensive line, but especially on the interior. So he'll start to get familiar, and with that familiarity, he'll get live game speed, he'll get more comfortable, and then you'll look for him to be a big-time player in the years to come. All the talent, I'm excited for him, and I'm excited for him to learn from guys like Trill Carter, uh, maybe even taking bits and pieces from people like Kyler Baugh. So it'll be great to see Devin Easter. Now the next guy I want to talk about is Logan Richter. He's a one-tech guy. He was... A guy that uh, defensive coordinator Rossi brought up in January press conferences when asked about you know all the departures that we had, who were guys that could step up, and he mentioned Logan Richter was one of those guys. He's a big guy. He's a one-tech, like I said. He really messes up and clogs the run game, so he's good in that run defense, run stop, and he's kind of showed flashes of that in that early Saturday practice. Now, unfortunately... It looked like he was dealing, well, he is dealing with an injury to his left 
leg. I don't know if it's the ankle area, if it's the shin, what it is, but it's in that lower left leg and he has missed both Tuesday and Thursday's practices. So we haven't really been able to see him since then. In that Saturday, he was getting worked in rotation a lot with the ones. In fact, he was probably the first person to rotate in. He was rotating with Kyler Ba in that one tech position. And now that he has gone down over these past few practices, Kyler Ba has really run away with that role and taken a lot of those snaps, a lot of those reps, and grabbed the opportunity and ran with it. So hopefully as Logan Richter gets healthy, we see him kind of move back into that rotation, but he'll have to get fully healthy and get back into the swing of things. And then the last person that is in that group of twos that will likely see minutes this season in their rotation is Darnell Jeffries. He's a one-tech. He came from Clemson, just like Niles Pinckney. In fact, Niles Pinckney was asked about should they bring Darnell Jeffries in what is his work or like what is his what is he like on the field what is he like off the field how is his mentality and Niles Pinkney gave him raving reviews and we've been seeing the hard work we've been seeing the drive we've been seeing the moments that you see he can be a guy he can be a guy that makes an impact on this defensive line and that's what we need you know we lost a lot of pieces in this front seven and the fact that we've got two impact transfers in Jeffries and in Kyler Baugh plus you've got some younger guys stepping up in Gage Keys and Devin Eastern and Logan Richter all stepping up to the plate to contribute more to pair with the returner of Trail Carter that core of defensive linemen in the interior is going to be very necessary and it's going to be helpful because if an injury does come to the room we have guys that can step up and make the play and so this room is very impressive for me now they probably when we talk about the conference rank they might not be very high for me just because they don't have a ton of production out there in live game snaps they don't have the experience but in time in the years to come maybe even next year we're talking about them as a top five unit in the in the conference but they won't be in that top five for me today we'll talk about that Coming up next, but first, I want to talk about the couple guys that we do have on the team that are still developing, and that is Jacob Schuster and Luther McCoy. Both of them aren't really seeing any live reps, aren't really seeing the field in team periods, unless it is the Rover team periods, which are the younger, like the threes or the young true freshmen or redshirt freshmen that didn't get really any time last year. Guys that are still working it into their body working in the playbook and growing with the program. Uh, both guys have showed little flashes, have shown uh, that they're fighting for the opportunity, and honestly, these two are guys that you can keep an eye on that might be able to contribute down the road. So again, that was Jacob Schuster and Luther McCoy. Unknown for me is Nate Becker. I know he's from on the roster. I know he's from Maple Grove, but outside of that, I haven't really seen anything from him thus far. Now, Again, we're going to talk about where we rank in the conference, but first, let's talk about our friends over at Bet Online. Bet Online is bringing you more props, more lines, and more odds than ever before. In fact, they're still working on getting more numbers up for you. Right now, they don't have a lines, they don't have any odds for the winner of the Big Ten East or West division. They do have the ACC divisions up, they do have the SEC divisions up, still working on the Big Ten ones. 
But keep your eyes posted for that because you know that the Gophers aren't going to be probably even in the top three for the West. They might not even be in the top four. They might put Wisconsin, they might put Iowa, they might put Nebraska up above them. If that's the case, go look at the odds and slap some money down because you know that we can take this thing. Now, I'm not telling you to do, like, if you aren't the type that gambles like that, don't blame it on me, don't take it on me. But if you are and you have that belief, that'll be the time. But they do have the Gophers week one game in there right now. And the total combined score is 55 and a half points. If I were you, if I were me, I would throw down on the under on that. In 13 games last year, the Gophers only went above 55 and a half points twice. That means that you need not only New Mexico State to put up probably 14 to 20 plus points, which I don't see happening, especially from what I've seen from this defense. I don't see them cracking 20 plus points. So even if you give them the benefit of the doubt and put them at 14 points, that means the Gophers have to put up over 40 points in order to crack that 55 and a half line. That's just that's a lot of points, folks. I don't see that happening. So that line looks real friendly to me. That looks like something that you can make a little bit of change on. But don't take my word for it. Go over to Bet Online. Check out all the latest odds, the latest numbers. You can even do some online casino games. You can look at esports. So be sure to check it all out over at Bet Online where the game starts. Now, thank you again for listening to Locked On Golden Gophers. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube. We're building a community there. We're building a place where you can get your questions that you want to hear on the podcast, you want to hear in discussion. I'm going to have guys like Ryan Burns back on the podcast. I'm hopefully going to have guys like Daniel House on the podcast as I continue to build relationships with these guys. I'm going to have more players on the podcast. We're going to have a basketball player on the podcast next week. Hopefully, you'll be excited for that one, but we're going to continue to make this stuff happen, and what you want to know, I want to ask. So be sure to drop any questions, any thoughts, any topics down in the comments on YouTube. So let's talk about this Gophers interior and where I think they rank across the conference before we close the show with thoughts on Thursday's practice. So in the conference, you know, I do believe that the Gophers... Again, it's a young room. It's a room that doesn't have a ton of experience outside of Trill Carter, at least in the Power 5 level. And so right now I have Penn State at number one, leading it with the room led by P.J. Mustafer, who's possibly a top five defender in the conference. I just couldn't put anybody else above them. But Michigan was right behind him at number two, led by Maisie Smith at the helm of that interior defensive line. Michigan... State comes in at number three with Jacob Slade leading the way. Number four was Iowa with Noah Shannon. Number five was Ohio State with Tyleek Williams leading that room. Nebraska came in at six with Ty Robinson. And then Maryland came in at seven with Mosiah Nazil Kite. And he led his entire team at Maryland in tackles for loss. He'll probably see a lot of production again this season. So I had to put him in at seven. Then you'll see the Gophers come in at 8 with Trill Carter and Kyler Baugh both leading the way for the Gophers on that interior. Number 9, I've got Wisconsin with Keanu Benton leading that room. And the Wisconsin defense is real nice, so you know they could push higher, but I do believe that the depth in our interior defensive line will be underlooked, and I think we're right up there with them. And then 10 through 14, I've got Illinois 
Indiana, Purdue, Northwestern, and Rutgers. So that is the rankings for the interior defensive line. Now, honestly, I probably should have just rated the entire defensive line as a conference, and that would likely shift this around. That would probably put Minnesota in the 7-8 slot still, uh, but I do believe overall that the Gophers are kind of in the middle of the pack when it comes to the defensive line, and seeing young guys take steps up, seeing more and more live reps worked under the belt of these guys will help that ranking, that prestige within the conference build because these guys have a lot of years of eligibility left. Like I said, Kyler Ba, who's a transfer, has two left. Trill has three left. Gage Keys has three to four left. Uh, Devin Eastern has four left. Noah Richter, or Logan Richter has three left, or may, he might even have four left. No, he has three. Sorry, three. Logan Richter has three left. But still, these guys have three to four years left. Even the other transfer in Darnell Jeffries still believe has two years of eligibility left. So a lot of these guys will be back next year, and that can continue to build upon. It's going to be a good time for the Gophers defense this year. It was a good time for the Gophers defense last year, and it's going to be a good time for the Gophers defense for years to come. Now, we're going to close today's show with yesterday's practice and some quick notable things to talk about that's coming up next all right so we're going to close this show like i said with some thoughts on yesterday's practice was the third official practice open to the media and yesterday the first thing i gotta say is danny sturgow he really stepped up to me Saw a lot more reps with the ones rotating in there. Now, again, he wasn't the immediate starter. We saw a lot of Jalen Logan Redding in there with Thomas Rush, of course. But Danny Strigout was getting rotated in constantly with the ones. A lot more than he did on Tuesday's practice. We saw that on Saturday's practice as well, him getting a lot of work with the ones. So I do believe he'll be one of those first people to rotate in at the edge position. The second thing I want to bring up is the QB2 battle. Now, I had written in my notes, I, first off, it's still a toss-up. I'm going to put that out there. I believe this battle is still a toss-up. In my notes, I wrote Cole Kramer. I think he's walking away with this job. Uh, from what I had seen, I put notes of like his accuracy looked pretty good. His uh, decision-making was really nice. And that was the thing for me, especially with Ethan, is just the decision-making still is... He trusts his arm. His Ethan has the best arm in the room. I'm not going to lie to you. His arm is the best arm in the room. He has the ability to run, throw on the run, make uh, different arm angle throws, you know, across his body passes because he has the arm talent. But he trusts his arm so much that sometimes he makes mistakes or he puts the ball in dangerous positions. Now, a lot of Gophers fan probably welcome that because we haven't seen that type of arm talent in a very very long time but it does make it difficult to project if he is ready so it's something to keep an eye on but as I was writing those notes about Cole Kramer saying how I think he'll probably walk away with the number two job it looks like he was starting to assert himself then Ethan comes in on some team period reps and he drops an absolute dime to Brevin Spanford in the back of the end zone who is like diving basically on his knees catching the ball right before the out of bounds line and he dropped it right over the top of almost three defenders right into the bread basket it was like a perfect perfect throw and i was just like wow 
I get it. I get why this is still a battle. I get why when we see indie drills, when we see um, seven on seven sometimes and things like that, Cole Kramer's the first guy to step up with the twos. But then you get into live team periods, you get into the more intricate, like full team type periods, you see Ethan come in with the twos. So it's still a battle, folks. It's still a toss up. And even PJ Fleck was asked about the two guys at the press conference after today's practice, and here's what he had to say. Tell you what, I think Cole Kramer's getting a lot better. I mean, he looks so much more natural, so much more fluid. And it, again, when he got here, you had to kind of start completely over, almost dig a hole. He's responded really well to that. Having Kirk back has really helped him. He looks way more relaxed, way more comfortable with the system. Eighth has taken huge strides, and I think everybody has seen that. I think the one thing for him is he's, he's got incredible intangibles, but it's the small things. It's the snap count, it's the volume, it's the leadership. Uh, it's the attention to detail, it's the play clock, it's all those other things besides arm talent that go into winning football games. But he's making huge strides. Kirk's doing a really good job of developing them. Tanner, again, is coaching him as well. Um, and then Jacob, you know, Jacob's getting a lot of reps too. So it's been nice to be able to get all of our quarterbacks a lot of reps. So like I said, still a toss-up, and that is something to keep an eye on because we don't know who steps up if Tanner somehow goes down. Hopefully he won't, but we got to find out sooner or later who that number two is. The next note I saw in today's practice or yesterday's practice was Brevin Span Ford got a lot of work in the red zone. You love to see it. He had a ton of touchdowns in the 1v1s where they played in the back of the red zone. He had a touchdown in live periods, like I said, with that beautiful pass from Ethan. He had a touchdown in seven on sevens. He was getting a lot of looks in the red zone. Today's practice focus seemed to be situationally the red zone. And we saw a lot of usage from Brevin. I absolutely love that. I hope that actually carries over to the games and it wasn't just something that we're seeing in practice, but we continue to do that because he's a mismatch. He is a nightmare for safeties, for linebackers. I mean, he literally is a weapon that this team could use to its advantage. So hopefully we continue to see that, but Brevin's man forward was impressive. Another note was Beanie Bishop is starting to get worked in a lot more, and you like to see that. You like to see that depth, and you like to see he's stepping in with the twos. Um, overall, though, I did catch a part today in practice where they're looking for him to have more leadership and be more vocal. He was in there with the twos today on some seven-on-seven -seven reps, and Coach Hayes basically said, look, you have to. There was this part where Tariq Watson got sent on the boundary corner up the sideline in a one-on-one -on -one battle and basically caused a defensive pass interference that would have put the line or put the ball on the one-yard line. And Coach Hayes was essentially like, "Hey, like Beanie, you have to tell him get to the field and you take that boundary. You have the more experience. You have the the knowledge in that situation. Don't put him in a position that if he's not ready for it." And so it's just being that more vocal leader, being able to read the field, see the field, and put your guys in the right position. And so even though he's a new transfer coming in, you expect that leadership, you expect that vocality, and it was nice to see that little coaching point in today's drills. Three more notes I have, the first being Hayden Schwartz continues to improve and look good over on that defensive line, especially in the one-on-ones between O-line and D-line today. His first rep, pretty rough, made some mistakes, couldn't really get through the offensive linemen or do what was needed to be done. Uh, Coach 
Haley was essentially like, look, this is what you got to do. Like, you're thinking too much. And he's telling him, coaching him up. The next rep that Hayden Schwartz gets absolutely blows by the offensive lineman. And it was phenomenal. Even Coach Haley gave him his props. And he's like, look, this is what you need to do. Look, this is what I'm talking about. And you can see him walk away, smirk on his face, dap up another player. Like, he was proud of himself, but you can see in those little flashes, like, this guy, he's got some talent. He's got some ability, and he'll continue to grow this year. Probably won't see much time on the field, but he's someone to look forward to in the years to come, putting it together. And we've seen him in live periods, in the rover periods, doing this as well. So he's a fun player to keep an eye on. Uh, Dalen Wright, his release off of the liner scrimmage is absolutely nasty. He's going to be a fun receiver. I, I saw some takes on Twitter that fans were worried about the receivers yesterday. Don't be. Don't be. No. Crab looks good. Dalen Wright, when he's putting it together, looks really good. His release off the line or scrimmage. Uh, he had a couple where it was just like extremely precise, firing feet, great footwork. It's very clean. Don't worry about the wide receivers, folks. We're we're going to be all right right there. Michael Brown-Stevens also had a couple moments today. He had a couple drops, but like, let me tell you, from the three practices I've seen, those drops are a rarity, and it's not something to focus in on. So we're going to be all right in the wide receiver room. Those three guys especially have been stepping up. Daniel Jackson, yes, he has been out, and hopefully he'll be back sooner than later, but he is out right now, left ankle. And, you know, Ike White has also stepped up a little bit. If he had to see some game action, I would at least be interested in seeing what he puts on the field. He has the talent. He's been worked in the backfield. He's been worked in the slot. He's been worked on the outside. As a true freshman, getting a ton of reps and experience. So don't worry about the wide receiver. We'll be all right there. What I want to close the practice with today was a uh, uh, live team period. And Zach Evans runs the ball in a rover period and gets stripped and the ball is punched out and this is like after the whistle and everything like that but you know what they say you play through the whistle and so he didn't and he got the ball punched out fumble miles fleming jumps on top of the ball and basically the defense goes crazy because they got a turnover and zach evans kind of walks away with his head down and you can see he's upset with himself and the first two people that walk up to him john michael schmitz Tanner Morgan, both saying, pick your head up, you're like, it's okay, next play mentality, basically picking him up, lifting his spirits, but like lifting their teammate up, which you love to see, and then you see Brevin Spanford coming from across the field, essentially snapping on the defense, talking to Mariano, sorry, Marin and others, saying the play was over, the play was dead, like quit chirping and all this, like chirping back at him, defending his teammate and stepping up, so it's good to see the unit kind of gelling together, defending each other, bringing that bond together, and then the defense amping each other up and talking that talk. Can't wait to see that talk being had in real games where they amp each other up. So it's great to see these teams bonding, gelling, growing together. And that was a really cool moment, seeing the leaders of the team pick up another player. I think this is going to be a good year, folks. This is going to be a good year on and off the field. This Gophers unit is something to be seen. I hope you take the time to check them out this year because it's going to be worth it. 
It's going to be worth it. That's Kane Rob. That's going to do it for us. That's the episode. This is Kane Rob signing off. I hope you have a great weekend. I will see you again next week where we'll finish up the defensive positional breakdowns and we'll have an interview with a Gophers basketball player. Who's it going to be? You'll have to tune in and find out.